Hello and welcome to another episode of Wentzmo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea SC women's team. I'm your host, Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we review Chelsea's huge 2-2 draw with Manchester City in what felt like the WSL title decider. In part two, we catch up on the latest news from Kingsmeadow and discuss the now-fouled proposal of the European Super League. In part three, we look ahead to Sunday's Champions League semi-final clash with Bayern Munich. And in part four, we've got your emails and questions. This is episode 20 of Went to Know Kingsmeadow, entitled One Step Closer. Now, before we get started as ever, we need your help to spread the word about this podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, tag us in the tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other supporters find the show. We'd really appreciate your support. Uh, now, joining me as ever is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, thank you. Feels like forever since we've recorded an episode, but it's good to be back. It does, because it's it's Thursday. Um not the usual Monday or Tuesday. So, yeah, it's been a very long wait, but it'd be worth the wait because we've got on the show this week with us, my favourite guest, Mia, don't tell the others, um, Mia Erickson. Mia, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Like you said, it, it's Thursday, so uh, one step closer to the weekend as well. Exactly, see? Always double meanings to everything that I um, write sometimes. Uh Let's get into the game then, shall we? Um, last night, Chelsea travelled to Manchester, needing just a point to maintain control of the WSL title. Jane, take us through the all-important information from the game. So Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-4-2 formation with Berger in goal, a back four of Carter, Bright, Ingle and Anderson. Leopold's G, Cuthbert and Kirby played in the midfield with Harder and Kurt up front. Emma Hayes used three substitutions with Neve Charles coming on for Peniel Harder, Guru writing for G and Bethany England on for Fran Kirby. This left Musovic, Telford, Blundell, Fleming, Spence and Fox as the unused subs. Stats-wise, with Manchester City's numbers first, possession 63% to 37%, shots 13, 7 on target to 15, 4 on target. Passing accuracy, 80% to 68%. Fouls, 8 to 6. Yellow cards, 1 to 0. Offsides, 0 to 1. Corners, 8 to 4. Thank you very much. Uh, Mia, it's your time for tactical assessment. Um, What caught your eye from the game? Um, Over to you. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) I was so stressed (laughs) all through that. but. yeah, I think, I mean, Sam Kerr was uh, outstanding uh, and I think she deserves uh, to be mentioned along with uh, the obvious one, uh, the goalkeeper, Ann-Kathrin Berger. Uh, I thought it was kind of hard, you know, to pick out things to that stood out uh, in this game because I think... I'm agreeing with what Emma Hayes said after the game. It wasn't a pretty one, um, but it it gave Chelsea a point and it was a valuable point. Uh, but I mean, you could actually, you know, since, since it wasn't, a, I think it was a good game uh, because it was a potential title decider, but I mean, it was 
was this sort of a game where Chelsea let Manchester City have the possession uh, and just you could see they were playing as usual, you know, counterattack and long balls from from the back. But since you, you could see it wasn't the usual Chelsea because the long balls didn't reach uh, where they were supposed to go and Manchester City could they won a lot of second balls on the midfield especially in the first half I think it, it was kind of you know like I know what to say but but you don't usually see Melanie Lopold's you know lose so so many duels uh, in her position on the midfield uh, and and it was yeah that's what's sort of you know telling about the first half they they lost too many balls second balls um, and when they got the ball they they had to you know just pass the long passes straight away because man city was pushing kind of hard down the flanks yeah, important. I, remember, I suppose to remember that you know we were playing Manchester City, who are you know alongside Chelsea the best team in England. Um, possession sort of in the thirties. Mia, is there a case when you've got players like you know, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, Vanilla Harder G that we should try and do more with the ball rather than just this counter attacks play all the time? I mean. This season has been about the counterattacks, you know, letting uh, the opponents have have the ball a lot. But I think you 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 said it now. Uh, of course, <laughs> it should be possible. I I actually looked kind through the stats, uh, you know, for the players before this, and I mean, they did good uh, with the. Jonna Anderson had a had a quite good game with the long passes. I think she had like eight of, of 12 accurate long passes. Uh, but she is not the one usually doing those. It's it's coming from the center backs. And I think it, it showed a lot that Magda was absent again. Uh, even though I, I thought that Sophie Ingle did, she managed very well. She's like, you know, a rock. Uh, but she's not Magda when when they're gonna build up from the back. Yeah, well, there's only one Magda Eriksson. Um, Jane, on the last podcast, if you remember that way back when, um, we spoke about Jess Carter, who obviously came into the team for the Wolfsburg game and did really well. And she was in again today against Man- uh, Manchester yesterday, sorry, against Manchester City. Um, they had some joy down that right hand side, but overall, you know, another really good game from Jess, wasn't it? Yeah, I think she's been playing brilliantly. Obviously, she when she was called up into the squad for Wolfsburg, she had a brilliant game. And I think I think now it's only like five or six appearances maybe this season. So to not have many starts due to injuries and stuff like that, I think she's done brilliantly to come into a squad and to play the way she did against a team like Manchester City, she did really well. Yeah, I think it was interesting that you know Neve came on, but not for Jess, though higher up the pitch, and maybe that's something to to look at going forward. That you know Jess has maybe cemented that place a bit more, you know, in in her favour. Uh, Mia, you covered the press conference for Vale. Um, 
Emma Hayes said she was full strength, no injuries apart from Marin. Um, should we trust her ever again? <laughs> you know, when I was writing that preview, I was this close to, to just write that I don't think Magda will play. <laughs> but I didn't because she, she said that everyone was good to go. Uh, I mean, it's like, I don't know, maybe it was a tactical move. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Um, maybe it was the truth that um, she didn't pass the fitness test, or or someone else wrote that she that Hayes had said that Magda had a fitness setback uh, or an injury setback the same morning. Um, so well, yeah. But I also think that there there are huge games coming up and. Um, yeah, but I, I always feel like something is missing when Magda is not on the pitch. And I, I, would, I would say the same if Bright wasn't on the pitch. I think so. But when Magda is on the pitch, it's something stable about, about the defense. That's, it just seems to be missing when she's not on it. Yeah, a Magda-shaped hole... Uh... Jane, it was Sophie Ingle who had to try and fill that, you know, absence in defence, and she had a good game. But it was, you know, her partner Millie Bright that seemed to struggle the most out of the two. Um, you know, two big errors in defence that led to the two city goals. Um, uncharacteristic, I suppose, is the nicest thing we could say about that performance. I think, obviously, you can't blame the way Millie performed for the way just because like Magda wasn't there everybody has off gate off days now and again but I do feel like when Millie and Magda both play together they play their strongest game and when one of them is missing we do seem to struggle slightly like we saw in the Brighton game so I do think obviously I don't want to put all the blame oh it was Magda's fault Millie had that performance but I do think it, they do play better together yes it's the I suppose the way they complement each other and perhaps, you know, Millie having the armband has an impact on her performance in a, such a big game. Although she's experienced, you know, these, these games are absolutely huge, especially what was riding on it. Uh, let's talk about the opening goal then. Erin Cuthbert with the corner met by Sam Kerr, who powerfully headed home. Mia, I know you love stats, and I read a stat that said that she scored 22% of her goals in the NWSL with headers. And we've seen this season definitely that, you know, she is very good in the area. It's one of her biggest strengths, isn't it? Yes. And you can see that all through. I mean, if you look at, at she's she wins a lot of aerial duels uh, when she's uh, working in the air. Uh, and I also talked to another analysis about that, uh, who had seen her play in, in the NWSL a lot. And so it's now, no, I mean, she, I think she, she she's probably one of the best strikers in the air, uh, doing headers, and and you can you can see that. <laughs> but I think it's coming all coming together now as well. We we can see more of her, of every quality she has, um, now. Yeah, I think we see more of her personality as well. Um, just sort of as an outsider, so to speak. If you see she's becoming more confident within the team, within herself, I think 
Jane, would you agree with that assessment of, of Sam? Yeah, I think obviously at the beginning of the season when she joined, so many people gave her stick for like missing goals and stuff like that. But you've just got to give her time. And you see now that she is a brilliant player and she's brilliant when it comes to putting shots in and her headers have been brilliant recently. Yeah, it always surprises me. And I've seen a lot of Sam Kerr headers that she jumps that high. And I think defenders just think, you know, don't have to worry about her. She'll be fine. Um but they do um, still. Uh, City equalised pretty much straight away um, across from the right. Wasn't dealt with. Uh, Millie getting her legs in a twist. Um, no strictly come dancing for her. Uh, despite that, Jane, were you pleased with our reaction to, to the equaliser? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see much of the first half just because I was still stuck at work. But what I did see, um, like... I wasn't disappointed with the way we performed after that City goal went in. I saw, I missed our first goal, then saw the City goal. I managed to do, I did actually manage to see our second goal. But I was, when City did score, I was thinking, oh no, it's going to be like another performance when we played them last season at the academy stadium. And I was like, really didn't want, I didn't want another replay of that game. So I'm glad we sort of, kept positive and managed to hold out yeah sort of despite you know the setback obviously settled again really well and the the response was pretty emphatic with you know Kerr released in behind she beat Roebuck to the ball um she did beat her to the ball Roebuck had a touch because Kerr kicked it um and then brought her down um Penilla Harder stood up and scored the spot kick me I saw your tweet that's goals against City United and Arsenal Obviously, she scored against Wolfsburg as well. You know, a big difference in big games. And that's why you pay that much money for her, isn't it? Well, yeah, I th- I think so. And I mean, it's it's like this. Uh, I think I've seen Penilla Harder, you know, miss like one penalty last season for Wolfsburg. Uh, she's that kind of player. I can I can see Frank Kirby being this kind of player for Chelsea as well, you know, to step up and take a penalty like that, but it's kind of obvious from right from now on she's going to be the one that's going to do this if there's penalties uh, given to Chelsea, especially in the upcoming games, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't think she has any kind of nerves or or something like that. You can see that. It just, yeah, yeah, penalty. And then, and and she's always kind of very unpredictable. You can see that if you, if you have seen a lot of her penalties, uh, they're never the same. The goalkeeper never knows what she's going to do. And you know, uh, I was actually looking at that photo, you know, when, when um, the caption of her shooting, you can see, she she never let the goalkeeper see which way she moves her body or uh, she just, you know, twists uh, when she's hitting the ball. And then, and I mean, Roebuck didn't stand a chance on that. Uh, I, I saw she was going in the direction of where she put the pen versus Wolfsburg and then just straight ahead and stuff. I suppose it's you know a lucky guess for a goalkeeper against Penilla Harder, and you you know you normally have a you know, bit of a feeling of of doubt when 
you're watching your team take a penalty, but I suppose with with her taking it, you're sort of a bit more relaxed that you know this is going to be a goal for sure. Um, obviously, that made it two one to Chelsea, but City did equalise in the 74th minute through Hemp. Uh, again, Jane, what the hell was happening in defence? You know, Kirby giving the ball away, Bright missing the ball completely. I thought she had a bet on two two at the time because that was the only you know reason I could come up with what was going on back there. Honestly, I don't know. I just think, I don't think they expected Lauren Hemp to appear the way she did. Obviously, Fran kicked it back to try and get it back to, I'm guessing, get it back to Berger to then kick it upfield. But obviously, Fran, Fran had a bad pass. And then Millie, I don't, Millie just couldn't get the ball at her feet to kick it away. And it was just, it was a nightmare. <laughs> And then the way like Lauren Hemp just ran out of she bait personally, I think she just ran out of nowhere. She just she saw that opportunity to get that ball and she just went for it. Yeah, I suppose that's obviously the the quality of the player she is that she can sense, you know, an opportunity and she's in that, you know, place quickest. Um, you know, uncharacteristic defending from Chelsea for sure. They're not usually that um they do give up chances, but not normally on a plate. Um, that wasn't the end of the drama, though. Um, and when people talk about how this title was won this season, you're going to have to talk about this save from AKB from the header. You know, Mia, what an incredible save. Yeah. I mean, we we obviously know she's a great goalkeeper, but she is not just a great goalkeeper. That was, you know, that reaction, it looked like, yeah, coming out of nowhere. I mean, you, you can't even you can't even tell a person having that kind of reaction that came. Uh, but again, I mean, hemp isn't that tall, I think, and and letting her have that kind of rocket header, I, I think. They need to protect their great goalkeeper a little bit better in set pieces from now on. Um, I mean, I looked at stats before the game, like Roebuck had like 37 saves during the season and Berger had 14. They have done a great job, (laughs) the defense, but I mean, she saved their asses now. We can say that she really did. Yeah, I suppose it was only a few minutes after the equaliser as well. So Chelsea obviously settling back down into the rhythm of the game and trying to close it out. And, you know, obviously if that goes in, you know, I think that's Chelsea done and dusted in the game because it's two goals in quick succession. Um, but it was a save and, and Chelsea finished, you know, the game 2 all. Uh, Jane, as the full-time whistle blew, Emma punched the air. I think she screamed louder than anybody in the stadium. Um what was your reaction when that whistle went? I was glad it was over. <laughs> and I could, like, breathe. And I think them last, like... Because there was five minutes added time. I was thinking, this is not... I really did think... I know it doesn't sound very positive, but I really did think City was going to score again. And we was going to lose it. So I was glad that final whistle went. Oh, yeah, I called off the ambulance because I thought I was going to need one. But I said, the whistle's blown now, we'll, I'll be fine. Um, Mia, is that the title one? Well, we we have to say, 
we can't say anything else because of course uh, this is a huge chance i mean chelsea can draw one game um, and hopefully they're still gonna win on goal difference if city city doesn't appear scoring like i don't know how many goals but it's it's a lot Um, i think i think i when that final whistle just went off i I was i've I've been finding myself sort of mentally drained from this week with everything going on and <laughs> and stuff like that. But I mean, it was kind of, I, I mean, if you're a City fan and you watch uh, them play with the ball, I mean, it was a good game. But to be honest, they scored out of two huge errors uh, from Chelsea. That's that's the first, first thing. Uh, and then they couldn't score. So that that's kind of telling about their problems as well. Uh, they don't have a Sam Kerr. They don't have a, a pure yeah. striker. Um, and I mean, so I think it's safe to say that if if nothing happens now, no injuries or stuff like that, I think it's it's going to be a silverware in London again. Yeah, I think it's one hand on the trophy for sure. Um, they did mention that on commentary actually that um, you know City got the ball into good positions and then the final decision was really really bad, uh, and Chelsea did give them the goals as we've mentioned. Um, after the game, Emma said she hated watching the second half, um, which I, I agree with because I hated it as well. Um, Mia, how much do you think her changes have impacted that though? Because I thought they were quite odd. Well, I, I don't know. Here's the deal. I've been thinking about this since, you know, Chelsea. I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, so this is this is gonna come out a bit weird, but it's not it's not pretty football Chelsea has been playing, but they they're on a winning streak, and teams, big teams, they they have a tiny bit of luck. As well, we've seen that with Lyon. You can also see that in the U- U.S. You know, national team. Uh, I mean, penalty in the 87 minute versus Sweden. But big teams, they find ways to win. Uh, and and that second half was like, I mean, it's chaos. Uh, and you don't want that from, from a team that that is, you know, a candidate of winning the U.V. The Champions League. You don't want chaos. You want stable play and you know, like. But it's been chaos in Wolfsburg, <laughs> the the Wolfsburg games. It's been chaos in these games. Um, and for the record, I mean, Chelsea haven't beaten Manchester City at the Academy Stadium in the league game, uh, and it's still like that. Uh, and Man City hasn't been able to beat Chelsea in a league game for a long in a long long time so perhaps Emma just wanted one record that she had to beat still so then when she does win the Champions League she's got a reason to then stay as manager to think actually I need to beat Man City at the Academy Stadium yeah good 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 explanation (laughs) we leave it at that absolutely um Jane let's get away from the chaos then um player of the match vote what happened with that 
the Chelsea Human Supporters Group held their Player of the Match poll over on Twitter. The four options and their vote percentage were Jess Carter with 3%, Erin Cuffett with 6%, Sam Kerr with 11%, and the woman, winner with 80% of the vote was Anne Katrinberger. Any complaints, Mia? I know sometimes you like to um, say, yeah, she made a save, but this player... No, shake of the head for those listening. I, I think she she was uh, the best player on the pitch uh, from both teams, you know, seeing both teams. Uh, and she she was the reason. Well. I think she's definitely got to be involved in player of the year discussions. Do you agree, Jane? Yeah, definitely. I'm glad she got player of the player of the match although she did concede two goals at the end of the day the rest of the game she played brilliantly and some games we would have lost some games if we didn't have her in goal she's saved us many of times recently yeah absolutely and you know shout out to Erin Cuffbook because we only mentioned your corner but you know again you know fantastic in that midfield um we'll be talking about her in the preview to Bayern I think um so, yeah, again, the result, Manchester City 2, Chelsea 2. Chelsea still to play Tottenham and Reading, needing just four points to confirm back-to-back WSL titles. Uh, Jane, tell us how the rest of the WSL table looks. So, Chelsea are still on top with 51 points. City are second with 49 points. Arsenal third with 38 points. And United fourth also on 38 points. Then the rest of the league runs Everton, Brighton, Reading, Tottenham, West Ham, Birmingham, Aston Villa, and in last place, Bristol City. Yeah, two games to go for Chelsea. Um, one and a hand, one and a half hands, um, sorry, on the title. Um, the league's a bit funny at the moment, isn't it? Because some teams have got you know four games to play. Chelsea have got two. I think Arsenal have got four. United have got three. Um, so... We've only got a couple of weeks left, but some teams are going to have a lot of games to play due to, obviously, I think COVID and, and some bad weather. Um, and Chelsea did also play in the FA Cup, but we're not going to really talk about that game because it was a week ago and we only played London City Lionesses. No disrespect to them, but um, Drew Spence scored two goals. So, you know, we won 5-0. Anything you want to say about the game, Jane? Um. It was a good start to our FA Cup campaign, really. I suppose, yeah. Mia, anything to say on FA Cup wins? No, it was a good win and it was a bad game because Magda got injured. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I can, I, yeah. I think it's uh, they they won like they should. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't want to talk about it because she shouldn't have been on the bloody pitch. Um, but then again, <laughs> that happens. Right. That sort of wraps up our review of the Manchester City game. Um, we're going to go for a break. Uh, so wait right there. And we'll be back with part two, which is sort of the news update. And we're going to talk about that damn dastardly European Super League. Be right back. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. 
Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part two of Wentzmo Kings Meadow. Time now for a news update from Kings Meadow and beyond. Uh, Jane, not a lot's been happening in you know Chelsea player world, but um, there's some milestones, hasn't there? Yeah, congratulations to Anne Katchenberger and Jess Carter for reaching 50 appearances with the Blues. And an even bigger congratulations to Jonna Anderson for reaching the 100 appearance mark. Mia, I suppose you'd like to talk about um, Chelsea and Sweden's left-back 100 appearances? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted out today that I think she's a, she's a, she's a great part of Sweden's football history, but also the future. I mean, she's going to have the gold medal in the Olympics this summer, so <laughs> that, that's kind of great. I mean... I'm hoping when I get um, the Sweden shirt sent to me um, in the post that they put yeah, yeah. Anderson on the back. I think that'll yeah. be the perfect player. I think so too. I mean, now that you have learned to pronounce her, her name. Yeah. And, I, and I've got a song for her as well, but um, I'm waiting for Jamik oh. to, um, to sing that for everybody. Because um, I've officially retired from performing. Um, my own songs now. I'm just going to write them and be in the background. I, uh, I think like... you should, should do that. You should record this song. Uh, I mean, it's Friday tomorrow and the pubs are open again, right? The pub garden is open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you can do it out- outside. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you have a lovely weather in England, I've seen. It's not like here. It's it's It snowed all day. Yeah, I see the snow today. Um, yeah. We had a random day Crazy. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Last Monday. Yeah. <laughs> then by the afternoon, it was bright sunshine and all the snow had disappeared. Um, so if you slept in, you would have missed it. Um, yeah. Jane, AKB and Jess Carr both reaching 50 appearances. Um, obviously, for, for Jess, it's taken a little bit longer than AKB. But, you know, two great players for the, for the squad and for the club. I'm quite shocked that they are only at 50 appearances. Like, I feel like they've been with us for ages, but they've only just reached their 50 appearance mark. But I'm I'm happy that they have. Yeah, well, I suppose it is... It's over two seasons, isn't it, really? 50 appearances on yeah. the whole. It depends on, obviously, your cup competitions and stuff. But, you know, a lot of players in this team are reaching big milestones, and I suppose that's why... We're in a situation in, you know, going for all four trophies because we've got a squad of players that um, know what it's like to play with each other and, you know, know each other inside out, so to speak. Um, Let's move on to the real news then, um, which totally rocked the world of football, I suppose, on... um, I can't remember what night it was now. Was it Monday? Sunday. 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 Sunday, um, 12 teams... Uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. I think I remembered everyone. Um, announced that they were forming a new European Super League, breaking away from UEFA um, as soon as possible um, 
in a new closed competition, which there would be 15 founding teams and five invites sent out every year. Those 15 founding teams would not need to qualify for their own competition because they are founding members. They also receive a share of a £3.6 billion investment from an American bank called JP Morgan. Um, the competition was the brainchild of the Real Madrid Supremo uh, Perez, uh, backed by mainly American owners, um, American owners, the Glazers at United, uh, Cronkay at Arsenal, um, Henry at Liverpool, uh, really the front runners. Uh, um, totally shocked everybody, I think, when it was announced. Um, it felt like the death of football. Um, if you want to hear sort of or overall of it, then do check out the Chelsea fancast who did a very long show on this. We wouldn't talk about women's football, obviously. Um, I'll read from the statement that was published on all 12 teams. They all copied and pasted the same statement. Um, their mention to women's football was, and I'm quoting now, as soon as practic practicable after the start of the men's competition, a corresponding women's league will also be launched, helping to advance and develop the women's game. Um, no background, no context, um, no explanation of, of how, uh, especially since one of the leading people behind this, uh, Liverpool, don't fund their women's team. Um, Man United have funded their women's team for three years. Um, Real Madrid for one year. Um I've never seen anything about Inter Milan and AC Milan's women's teams in Europe. I have seen Juventus. Obviously, we played Atletico in the Champions League. Uh, we know Barcelona are a very strong team. Uh, Tottenham don't really fund their women's team. Uh, Arsenal were in trouble funding their women's team, I think, in the news recently. Uh, so that leaves Chelsea and Manchester City, as usual, as the front runners. Um mere disgusting idea uh, and a disgusting way to sort of remember women's football exists, so to speak, I think. I think, I mean, uh, I'm going to tell you what my first, uh, you know, impression of that uh, statement of the women's, of launching a women's league, because, I mean, I work as a communication manager and that was like, you know, They've just, I can hear it. I can hear it. You know, someone telling the person pushing the buttons for this to go out. Oh, can you add something about the women as well? Because we're in uh, a great revolution about well, and we might have to mention them too. Uh, I mean, it was sort of, yeah, bad communication, I think, just overall. Um, I also think that, you know, Liverpool's owner uh, has been one, yeah, I think he's the only one that has appeared in uh, social medias, you know, with a nice little film. I think it was yesterday or something. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, oh, I, watched, I watched it, obviously, and listened to what he said, but the only thing that you know crossed my mind all the times fund your women's team uh, just just care about them because that was 
but but I don't think you know it was just like that you know add something about the women too before you push the button for the PM to go out. There's a, a comedian in the UK. His name's James Acaster, and he does this piece about uh, witness protection um, being explained to him. And the, and the policeman says um, when he or she um, goes into witness protection, and he says the only reason he says or she is because at the last minute he remembers that you know women exist as well. That he was fully talking about you know a man going into witness protection, and then remembered that there's more than one gender and that women do in fact exist um obviously i'm not a comedian so you have to youtube that um to actually laugh at that joke but um it fits into what we're actually saying about you know i i guess it's not even it's probably the person typing it saying um what about the women should we should we add something about them because you know John Henry from Liverpool doesn't know that women's football exists because he doesn't fund his own football team. They train somewhere else other than their brand new multi-million pound complex. Um, they've been relegated, you know, rather recently, uh, I think very close to be relegated again in the championship. Um, and I suppose it, it was highlighted, Jane, when um, Nadine Kessler from UEFA um, released her statement that you've got to read for us yep I'll read it now for you dear players dear women's football champions I'm sure you heard about the creation of a closed European Super League with certain top men's club involved and 15 clubs direct, directly seeded and can never be relegated regardless of performance you may have also read as a side comment in the same press release that this should be replicated in the form of a women's Euro European Super League after the men's version would supposedly be established. This news comes without any con consultation and at the time where UEFA's Women's Champions League is about to see a transform transformative change as of next summer. In other words, it is a direct threat to all the plans we have carefully crafted together with the ECA, your clubs and the league for new UEFA Women's Champions League. A new UEFA Women's Champions League that, that will provide visibility, more competition, financial reward and solid, solidarity, all with the aim of bringing about a new era for the whole of women's football. A competition that will be open and therefore allows for clubs and players for all over Europe to continue the dream of winning the most prestigious club trophy in the world. Why does this impact the women's game? Women's football, it's a professional, it's professionalisation and development are still in the early stages. Only a small proportion of players unfortunately have full-time professions and guaranteed access to top-class facilities. Whilst they're having more momentous sides in the, in the game, we need more clubs, federations and gov governing bodies investing to provide financial structures for more players to benefit from. And we do not only need more clubs, but a better balance between those clubs so that more than just a few stand-up players can thrive on it. These clubs need to be able to have the ambition of being part of the top European women's football club, the UEFA Women's Champions League. With a closed European Women's Super League, this is not possible. Of course, such development would be equally, equally devastating for all the national leagues who, who have made enormous efforts to professionalise the women's game. 
all the great steps made in recent years, including the hardship of many players gone before for our game to become a profession across Europe, we will have less chance of becoming a reality. As a former player, as somebody who played, lived, worked and breathed for this sport, as somebody who believes in the importance of rivalry with underdogs beating favourites, an open competition system based on sporting merit and allowing for everyone to make it to the top, therefore believes that the best will always win and that the loser will be relegated and try and to try again next season. As somebody who has benefited from the power of solidarity through my own experience and who firmly believes that the power of football lies in its unpredictable unpredictability, I encourage you to make up your mind about this and take a position as other players have started to, to do so. We always talk about stronger ties between men and women's football, about increasing solidarity, now it's time to show solidarity. This current entire football ecosystem funds everything from grassroots to elite, including women's football. Vital funding streams and these parts of the games our games depend on. Please take some time to read into the details of this debate and why the football pyramid with its principles of solidarity have made our sports the most successful in the world. No matter how you make up your mind, your opinion as a player, as a women's football champion matters, women's football's, football's opinion matters. The values of our sport matters in time where greed seems to be overshadowed. The broader needs of society and football as a whole, because solidarity matters, Nadine. Thank you, Jane. I'll let you um, catch your breath for a minute. Um, <laughs> Mia, the, the Super League you know, is a bad idea anyway, because it takes away competition and integrity. Um, it keeps you know the funds and the prize money within the pockets of those top fifteen clubs, or so-called top fifteen clubs. For for women's football, though, this you know it would have killed the game, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the differences between clubs and teams uh, in the women's game they are they are huge. I mean, like Premier League for 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 the men, I think it's it's very competitive. You know, to watch. I think every watching Manchester United play West Bromwich is it's competitive. It's not six nil games. Uh, As Chelsea's men's team now obviously losing five two to West Brom. Yeah. So I mean, it, it just made me laugh. You know, and today I read a statement that you know Perez uh, had had said that. Oh, it's impossible now to sign uh, uh, Erling Haaland uh, and um, Mbappé uh, because now the plans uh, made about the Super League is is not there anymore. But I mean, don't sign don't sign them then. It's okay. I mean, what's the problem? I mean, it's like, I mean, I I think it's. It's ridiculous. Uh, we, we talk about millions of millions of pounds every week in salaries. And, and uh, I mean, who wants to watch a game between Real Madrid? Uh, I mean, El Clasico every week. Who wants to watch that? If, if it's not any meaning to it. I mean, win, lose, they're going to still play each other. I mean... Um, Again, and I think 
I mean, look at it this way. Uh, Chelsea women playing um, Liverpool in in a Super League for women. Uh, it was obvious that that last line of the PM was like, yeah, add something about women too. We We might have to mention them because in 10 to 15 years, we might start a league for them too. Yeah, Jane, obviously we spoke about Chelsea versus Manchester City for, for the good part of 40 minutes, you know, just now in part one. Um, the Super League would, would take that edge away from that game because although they're playing to win, if they, you know, the effects of you losing are, are so minimal. Um, what was your take on, you know, the Super League and, you know, especially obviously the women's side of the game? I think it was ridiculous. You saw the way the women's fans, like a lot of women's fans do support the men's as well. They were obviously saying it on behalf of supporting the men's as well that they didn't want it. But if you ask people that mainly follow the women's sport, like me, I'm not too interested in the men's game. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't work out. They want to grow the likes of women's football, but to put the likes of them... 12 teams into the league on their own and like you said I don't know about like AC Milan's women's team but it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work out and not and to play them 12 teams the same every year it's just ridiculous yeah and obviously we are women's football fans and you know we want women's football to grow the the men deciding on this European Super League have no interest in women's football so they no idea what what goes on and what they're talking about in sense of yeah let's put all the teams together and they can play their own super league tournament what would you know barcelona's women's team do to, to tottenham they would probably win 25 to 30 nil because <laughs> golf in their class is so huge they would probably beat the men's team by that as well to be fair just nothing about it, you know, speaks of this is how we're going to grow women's football because we want women's football to grow. We want the WSL to become more competitive, you know, the haves and the haves not that, that what they have and what they have not, the gap in that needs to be much smaller. You know, the, I think there's no excuse now for a Premier League football team not to have a competitive women's team as well. And if you look at the Women's Super League right now, there's 12 teams. There's 20 teams in the Premiership. You've got, you know, Birmingham in the Super League, Women's Super League. You've got um, Reading in the Super League. They're not Premier League teams. More needs to be done. You And UEFA isn't perfect, is it? And that's not what this debate is about. It's not saying no to that because we love what we've got. Because some people sort of get confused by that, thinking, you know, UEFA are still greedy as well. They still need to, to help develop the game. But I suppose it, there's more integrity in the, the UEFA model than this new European Super League model, isn't there? I think uh, also, again, we're talking about <laughs> men's football UEFA and we're talking about women's football UEFA. Uh, I think it's... The thing is that this, this pandemic... Uh, has changed uh, a lot in the world. Uh, 
Uh, and obviously, we have been watching a lot of football on TV. I mean, I don't know. You must remember this um, as well when when um, Chelsea played um, Arsenal in the Continental Cup, and it wasn't broadcasted. Yeah. I mean, hello. <laughs> it was. It was like a reaction from. Um, I, I have. I mean, I, I thought about it. Would that reaction have been that huge if we had been able to go and watch it live? Uh, so it's it's kind of everything is a revolution right now. Where where in in which direction are we gonna go? Um, I think it's. I mean, like I'm I'm quite sure that this Paris guy he was the one that. You know, he was quoted in Marsa, uh, a big Spanish um, media outlet or magazine online, when they launched their women's team last year. Uh, and he spoke greatly about it. So, but but then again, this is this is all about money. So it's I think it's it's sad because some you have to choose which which path are, are we going to take here. Because there are some things from the from the men's game that I don't want to see in the women's game. Now we can look at the bad things from there, and we can take the good things into into the women's game. And I think that's that's what what uh, UEFA should do. Yeah, I suppose. Jane, for me, if you want to grow women's football, you know, the number one thing you need to do is make it accessible. And obviously, that's not just the WSL, it's, you know, every league across Europe. I know Mia has good access to many, many leagues that we don't. Uh, number two, keep it affordable. You know, keep it, be able to take you know, young families and children to go and watch it. Um, keeping it sort of behind closed doors, so to speak, you know, sh- streaming services and stuff like that. It doesn't feel right. It feels like it's taken, you know, the purity of women's football away. Is that that sort of, do you understand what I'm sort of getting at with that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like what you mean about like affordable and stuff, if there was to be a European, a women's European super league, you've got six international teams to pay out, to go and watch the away games for them teams every season would not, you've got your tickets and then obviously like travel on top but where if you're keeping it all in England it doesn't work out as expensive and with the likes of streaming as well like Mia said with the the stick Chelsea got for not showing that Arsenal Conti Cup game they realised never again not to be like they some of uh, Paul Logan that was on the team he even posted like videos and stuff and the reporters that were at the game were told to take down the videos. Like it was crazy. And they knew, I think all our games since then have been broadcast just because it's, you're not going to grow women's games if you can't sit and watch the game. And in these circumstances as well, you can't get to a game. Yeah. Mia, back to sort of, of Chelsea a few weeks ago, uh, Roman Abramovich did an interview with Force magazine and he spoke very highly of the women's team and of Emma Hayes and everything they were doing. And 
we all loved it. We all praised it. We all spoke about it. For them to sign up to this, knowing that at some stage they were going to jumble something together for women's football, uh, felt a bit like you know, kicking the stomach. That's how I'd best describe you know the actions of Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I think it it felt more like you know two steps, one step f- forward, two steps back, in a way. Um, also because. Obviously, none of the men's players in any of these clubs or coach coaches or managers did know about this as well. So it's kind of, but, but I think, I mean, when this, it's like you, you said before, and Jane said it also, I mean, I, I don't even watch men's football anymore. Uh, if, if there's always, and I know I'm quite lucky because via play and end group, they send uh, broadcast a lot of women's football across Europe right now. I, I can watch a game from every league. Uh, so if there's a women's game on, I choose that ahead of a men's football game. Um, and I think it's... So when, when this thing came out uh, on Sunday, I just felt, I just felt sorry for, for, the women's, for the women. And especially when UEFA started with these threats about, yeah, they're not going to play the Champions League or and stuff. I mean, imagine if if that would have happened and these clubs had pushed, like, pushed for, for this Super League to happen, uh, taking the women women down, down with them. And that's like... So I was so happy to see when, this, when the reports of of Chelsea starting to prepare documents to pull out of this, I was just relieved. Yeah, I suppose we should say a big thank you to to every Chelsea supporter that you know made the trip to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday. Oh, uh, you mean the forty one, the, the forty supporters, all forty fans, yeah, yeah, staged. <laughs> The staged, act, the trained actors that that went to Stamford Bridge and put on a fantastic show. Um, you know, there's a reason that dictators in countries ruled by mobs kill protesters is because protesting works. Um, that's been shown over history time and time again. Um, hopefully, this is the start of of more changes because you know there's so much we need to do in terms of racism, uh, inequality. Um, homophobia we had tracy on last time um she could speak for days and days about inequality in football uh, from that aspect um for me if you want to know the root of this follow the money look at the financial statements from barcelona and real madrid and work out why you know perez is the driving force and he's getting the americans on board because they have the money and they have the audience that they can sell this game to they care not for supporters of men's teams. They care not for supporters of women's teams. They care not for women's football. Um, they care not for men's football, really. They care about um, money, which is the root of all evil. And you know, football is the people's game, always has been, always will be. Um, hopefully people are waking up to to know that. If you're, if you're a Chelsea supporter, you can obviously join the Chelsea Supporters Trust um, they are more men's focused, but they do obviously, you know, keep the best interest of Chelsea at heart. 
You can also buy a Chelsea pitch owner's um, share, which gives you a shareholder of Stamford Bridge, meaning that Roman Abramovich can't decide um, to just do whatever he wants. He has to move and get a new name, so a whole new club, uh, which I don't think he wants to do. Obviously, that doesn't affect the women's team as much because they do play at Kings Meadow. Um, but, you know, they are supposedly one club, one vision, um, is what they like to tell us. Um, the proof of that is in the pudding, obviously. Um, that's enough depressing Super League talk. Um, it's been cancelled, um, apart from Real Madrid and Barcelona, who <laughs> tonight <laughs> insist that their Super League is going... What, what an interesting league. <laughs> Just Barcelona versus Real Madrid. classical 12 times a year. Yeah. Real Madrid are going to re-time Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Messi versus Ronaldo for the next 30 years. Um, uh, yeah. Follow follow the money. You'll find out why this was born, why people signed up to it, why Chelsea thought they were going to be left behind. Um, and hopefully we've done a nice job um, explaining our thoughts and our feelings on why it's so bad. As I said, check out the Chelsea fan cast. Um, they went in depth on, on the men's side of it. Obviously, we've touched on the women's game. Hopefully, that continues to grow and develop in you know a more natural and organic way. Money will always be involved in, in some capacity, but the building blocks we need in the women's football right now aren't money-related. It's all about you know accessibility and growing a fan base you know that goes over generations. Uh, and not just the here and now. Interestingly, Jane um, and me, I suppose, not normally a question that a man could ask a lady, but Perez insists that 18 to 24-year-olds don't like football. Um, Jane, I know you definitely come into that category. Me, I suppose, if you don't, you could lie and say you do. Um, do you fit into that, you know, the age range of not liking football? No. No, I don't. But uh, I think also, I mean, I've been working with advertising, you know, in agencies and stuff like that. And and to to um, make a statement like that, you have to be very, you have to have done your research before. Uh, and I don't think he, he had. Uh, he was just presuming stuff. Yeah, Jane, obviously, you don't to, like to fit his plan. Yeah. Jane, obviously you don't like football and you wish that all games were 15 to 20 minutes all filmed on TikTok? Uh, it's crazy. I know so many people my age range that love football and I don't think why he would say just that age range doesn't like football but it is, it's crazy. And I think no matter what age you are, you've always if you do love football, you're going to love it. Like no matter what age, what age you are, you've got four-year-olds that love football. So. Yeah. The, the world is falling from underneath Perez's feet. Um, like I said, <laughs> look at Real Madrid's financial situation. Um, and you will understand why he is losing the plot. So spectacularly. Um, long may that continue. Right. That is almost it for part two before we go to the mm -hmm. break we got our usual parish notices um don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel 
Uh, you can find us by searching Went to Mo Kings Meadow. We might publish three to four videos a week. Depends how busy Jane is um, cutting people's hair. So if there's <laughs> no videos out there, please, please, please shout at Jane, not me. <laughs> yeah. YouTube, Went to Mo Kings Meadow. You can see us talking on Zoom. How cool. Um, Discord. Come and join our Discord channel. You know, we chatting most days in there. Jane's not. She's not part of the, the crew. Um, I'm busy at work. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm not busy at work. So I'll talk to you all day long about <laughs> Chelsea FC women. Just come on Discord. Um, you can search for Went to Mo Kings Meadow or you can find the link on the description of this episode. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I think this bit gets cut out anyway for YouTube. So you're not going to watch this on YouTube. Um, if you're listening... <laughs> Are you still listening? Please say you're listening. Um, go to the description or go on our Twitter. You can find it there. Uh, a reminder, if you follow both the men's and the women's team, check out the main Chelsea Fancast show. They also have a Patreon account, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. If you would like to help support both our shows, because Chidge um, publishes this podcast for us. We don't do the hard work. We do the easy work. Um, that would be very much appreciated but is uh, no obligation to if you don't have the money or don't want to pay you don't have to this is free content um as you can tell by the lack of professionalism um and of course we want as many people talking about and listening to shows about the women's team so make sure to check out and listen to london is blue um, 195 every other Sunday they've changed their name because they recalled every other Sunday um, that's Daniel Charles and Jane McIntosh um, and of course the only other podcast that we know that exclusively talks about Chelsea City women is Franz Fight Club uh, the usual plug for the TFCW social um, sometimes they publish my column sometimes they don't bother um, lots of amazing content especially on, on Twitter their stuff's fantastic uh, make sure you follow them if you know of anyone that talks about Chelsea FC women and you think we should, you know, shout them out, let me know. And I'm more than happy to do so for your know, very small fee. I will mention your <laughs> podcast. Only joking. I'll do it for free. Um, and don't forget to check out the Chelsea women supporters group on Facebook and Twitter. The more supporters involved, um, you know, the better for everyone because they're a fantastic group and we are a fantastic team. Uh, right. That's enough of me talking about, that nonsense join us after this break for part three when we look ahead to Bayern Munich in the Champions League real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast proper Chelsea footballfancast.com Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time now to preview the massive Champions League semi-final, which takes place this Sunday. Um, the opposition, of course, FC Bayern Munich. Jane, tell us about Bayern's route to the semi-final. So to get to this stage of the competition, Bayern have faced, faced Vic Hasgart, winning 9-1 on aggregate in the round of 16. In the quarterfinals, they played Rosengard, who beat them who they beat 4-0 over two legs. Yeah, obviously not a massive run 
Um, I think I've missed the team out, to be fair. Um, but that's because I was busy. Um, they have played three, <laughs> three, ga- three games to get here. Um, competition time. Tell me who else they played. You might win a prize. Um, terms and conditions apply, including no prize. Um, Jane, I'll talk to you more generally about the tie before we ask Mia about the team we're going to play, because I'm guessing, like me, your knowledge of FC Bayern Munich is terrible. I can't even tell you who they played to get here, um, <laughs> as we've just seen. Um, is there a case that this game is the biggest game in Chelsea women's history? Um, and I say that because we've been in Champions Leagues before, but you know, this time there's an expectation around this team to deliver. I think it is big. I know one thing about Bayern, that was Melanie Leopold's old team. That is the one and only thing. And we played against them in the pre-season in France in 2019. But unfortunately, if I remember rightly, we lost quite massively. But we're not going to talk about that loss. Um, but I do think it's a semi-final. Now with Leon out of the competition, we've got, got a lot bigger chance to win this now. Yeah, that was... Um, was it a shock? I don't know. It was a shock to me because just expect Leon to be in the Champions League final. Um, PSG, obviously. They're a good team, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mia, they're quite um, good. Yeah, quite good. Oh, they're okay. Um, Mia Bayern, top of the Bundesliga, ahead of Wolfsburg. Um, Wolfsburg, they beat them in the semi-final of the, the German Cup. How good are Bayern Munich? Um, and what is, is there much difference between them and Wolfsburg? Are they the same level? Are Wolfsburg actually, would you say, are a better team than them? Or are Bayern another step up for Chelsea? Here's the, here's the thing. Uh, until that cup game, uh, Bayern had conceded three goals in the league. Since then, they have played they, they have played Wolfsburg in the semi-final of the cup. They have played Hoffenheim and yesterday they, they played Potsdam. Hoffenheim is third and Potsdam is fourth. Uh, and they conceded two goals and lost the game uh, versus Wolfsburg in the cup. They conceded three goals versus Hoffenheim. Uh, they were up 2-0 uh, and they lost the game. With that loss, they have sort of, you know, the title decider will be played uh, on May 8th, I think, yeah, uh, between uh, Wolfsburg and Bayern. And then yesterday they played Potsdam uh, and they conceded two goals. So they're not, uh, I, I think mentally, they're not in a good shape. Uh, and I can say tell you this because I think Bayern should be an easier game for Chelsea than Wolfsburg. Because Bayern play like Chelsea. They play out from the back and they use their... Uh, I mean, they have two Swedes in the back. Uh, it's Amanda Ilestet who is a centre-back uh, but she plays as a left back 
and have been for the recent game for Bayern. Uh, and she is not used a lot in the attack, but she's tall, uh, so she's dangerous in, in set pieces and corners uh, with headers. Uh, and then you have Hannah Glass, who is, uh, when, when Bayern signed Hannah Glass last uh, summer, I think she was the, the signed as to be the best paid defender in Europe. Uh, and she's good. She is very good. Uh, and she is very much part of Bayern's attack, attack play. She scores goals as well. So, uh, I mean, I think in terms of all this, you know, blah, blah, blah from me right now, I think that uh, Bayern Munich have, have been overachieving this season. Uh, and if Chelsea doesn't win this when when they won versus Wolfsburg, I think it, it will be a massive disappointment for me. Obviously, Bayern is a good team. It's not that what I'm saying, but on paper, this should be an easier game uh, than Wolfsburg. Yeah, unfortunately for Chelsea, um, football is not played on paper, of course. Um You've mentioned the Swedes, um, which obviously you're contractually obliged to do, being Swedish. Um, who else, apart from the Swedes, are the Bayern players that you know are going to cause Chelsea problems? You know, are the ones to watch. Yeah, obviously they they lined up versus Wolfsburg. They played a four-two-three-one formation, uh, and then they have um, Sadrasil uh, and Magul uh, as a D two DMs uh, and Magul is, I mean, she, she's obviously a very experienced player, German national team player as well. Uh, up front, they have Linda Dahlmann, uh, Clara Biel uh, and Berenstein uh, from the Netherlands. But they also have Leah Schiller, uh, who is a young, very promising uh, player and she is I th I think she is their top scorer as well I think she has scored like 12 goals this season but they have a lot they, uh, practically everyone in their team from the DMs uh, and up front have scored so they're like they have a lot of players on the pitch that can score the goals they conceded versus Wolfsburg, they, it was exactly the way Wolfsburg should have scored versus Chelsea. I mean, coming in from, you know, the wing, I think uh, Svenja Hutt was the, the sort of assist, assister uh, in both those goals. And, and it was a chaos in their defense, Bayern. And then it was a huge, you know, surprise when they they were up to nil versus Hoffenheim and then just like fell apart. Everything just fell apart. Um, so I, I can see it, you know, if I imagine uh, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder is gonna have a great time uh, outrunning the defense in Bayern Munich. Yeah, I suppose that is... Chelsea's cheat code, um, those three. Um, 
behind them, um, what are sort of the battles on the pitch that you're looking forward to? I know Erin coming in for the second leg against Wolfsburg and did very well on the left. Do you think she'll play this game? I mean, G came off uh, yesterday quite early, so I think she will play. Um, I think it will all come down also if Magda can play and Sophie Ingle, uh, will she play as a centre-back or as a DM? Because I think that will have a massive impact on, on the way Chelsea line, lines up. Um, but obviously, I mean, they're going to be huge battle. I mean, Hannah Glass is a right back. Um, Jonna Anderson is a left back. That would be quite tasty <laughs> to see <laughs> because they know each other very well, I think. Um, but Hannah is a very, you know... She goes forward. She is there, you know, she's up at the corner flag a bunch of time each games, each game. So I think that that will be a tasty battle. Um, so she's she's like there. Yeah, yeah, she has the ball a lot. They, they, do, they don't play through the midfield, just like Chelsea. They play from the back. They have two centre-backs uh, who usually put put the play to go. <laughs> Is that going to impact Chelsea? Because sort of they like to let other teams have the ball and if sort of Bayern want to do the same and try and let Chelsea have the ball, is it sort of going to stifle both teams in the way they're going to play? Because Chelsea like to tap, tap, boom. Uh, there's too much, you know, Ball will be going backwards and forwards, you know, ahead of a lot if no one's taking control of the game. I mean, obviously, the the second leg versus Rosengård wasn't, you know, they were up 3 0, but, you know, Rosengård had the ball uh, a lot. And when uh, Bayern got, got the ball, they just went for straight for goal. Uh, even the coach in Rosengård, he was quite angry in the media afterwards because he said, this is not football. They just, you know, shoot from the back and, and hope uh, that the ball will end up uh, at, at the feet of one of their strikers. And then I was like sort of giggling to myself because I, I felt like mm, this is how Chelsea plays also. Uh, so I think... Um, yeah, I think uh, it will be interesting to see which team will take possession of the possession. I mean, uh, which team are going to play the ball? That's probably be more interesting than sort of the battles on the pitch, I suppose. Um, Jane, looking at Chelsea then, um, Magda allegedly fouled a late fitness test against Manchester City. Um, if he doesn't play, would you be concerned before kickoff about the defence, given how sort of direct Bayern are going to play? Um, I'd be quite worried. Not that I don't trust the team without Magda, but I think we really do need... We need her there in that back four. And I think maybe Emma's plan was to tell us that she had a full squad to obviously worry City a bit more, but then keep Magda back so she was fit 
and fully fit for the semi-finals. Yeah, maybe um, some mind games from Emma. Um, Mia, aside from kicking the ball forward and hoping that Harder Kerr and Kirby can can do something, how else can Chelsea hurt Bayern Munich? Yeah, with the movement of the ball. Because I think, I mean, it was watching that game versus Hoffenheim, it was like everything just fell apart for Bayern. They, they seemed like they didn't believe in themselves uh, anymore. And, and the defense, yeah, huge errors. Um, I mean, I don't know how much you know about the Frauen Bundesliga, but the top scorer in the, in the Bundesliga is Nicole Billa. And she's an Austrian player, national team player. Uh, and she scored her 19th goal. Uh, versus um, Bayern that game. I think she scored the last of their goals as well. Uh, and that was also Chelsea way, uh, style of play uh, as Hoffenheim scored. So it's like, I think, I think for, for a team that plays like that, it, it will be very vulnerable in the midfield, you know. So are they going to use the midfield more than they usually does? Because today I saw that Bayern Munich head coach had, had talked about Chelsea's midfield being very fluent and, and switching positions a lot. And I think that's, that would be a, a key in this game for Chelsea if, if they're very fluid and move around a lot in the midfield. So Bayern don't know which player plays in which position. Uh, you can start one way, but it will not end up like that. And I'm not sure if Bayern is by the Bayern players is that flexible uh, themselves. Uh, they usually change formation uh, during games, but this uh, four-two-three-one formation, uh, they have started the big games in that formation. Yeah, it's always interesting to watch what Chelsea's midfield do because they're probably the most important part of the team and they hardly get used in a traditional sense um, of playing with the ball. It's about what they do off the ball, which is so important. Um, we spoke about Magda, we spoke about you know, Aaron. Mia, who is going to be the most important player for Chelsea? If they're going to win this game, uh, Sam Kerr. I think I really think so because it's like you say. I, I've just I actually thought about this this today. They don't Chelsea usually when they, they win the ball back in the midfield, they turn to get the ball back to the centre backs, play around back and forth uh, a little bit before they the long ball comes. So um, I think Sam Kerr's runs will be crucial in this, um, yeah, in this game. As long as it's not AKB, because I don't think I could take <laughs> another game. No. She has to make save after save after save. Um, I'm going to try and pick a team then, and you can agree with me. And if you don't, um, I'm going to edit you out. 
Um, in goal, obviously AKB, a back four of Charles Bright, Ericsson and Anderson, uh, a midfield four of Leopold's G, Cuthbert and Harder in a diamond with Kirby and Kerr playing as, as two strikers. Um, Jane, I'll let you come and uh, say yes, fantastic, first. I actually am going to say yes. I'm keeping it the same. So that's why you're the you're my co-host. No changes. That's exactly the reason. Here, <laughs> uh, would you? I know Emma likes the diamond. I know you like four two three one. Um, would you change the formation or personnel? Uh, okay, I I can I can agree on the formation. But what did you say about the back back four here? Did you? Did you have Magda in your your back no. four? Uh, and Charles, then you that Charles, means you right, Ericsson and Anderson. Yeah, and th that means you will leave Sophie Ingle on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's gonna play. Uh -huh. I, yeah, Sophie Ingle's gonna play. I think so. Uh, and that means G or Cuthbert. And I must say, I feel since G came off early and Cuthbert played the whole game. I think she's going to go for the lineup she went with in the first leg versus Wolfsburg. But I do think that Cuthbert will be needed. Yeah, obviously. Because, because Hannah Glass is going to come up versus Jonna. And she, she'll need a midfielder that is good at backtracking. Yeah, I suppose much like Wolfsburg, we we would start without Erin and then realise that we need somebody to run, um, and she'll come straight in. Uh, let us know your predictions for the lineup, um, who you would pick, um, if you would change anything, or if you would keep it the same and you think I'm a genius, please let me know because I like that uh, predictions. I've got no idea. So, Mia, what's your prediction for the game? Uh, I do think that Bayern will score, but I will go with 3-1 Chelsea. That sounds very nice. Um, Jane, what's your prediction? I'm going to go 2-1 to Chelsea. 2-1. Okay. I'll split the difference then and just go 3-2. Um, just because I've got no idea what's going to happen but I can't wait to watch it and I'm so glad it's on a Sunday at 4 o'clock because you know there's no excuse really if you're not watching Chelsea women take on Bayern Munich you know what are you doing with your life please reassess everything that you are doing and um, yeah let us know your predictions as well and then if you get it right we won't remember uh, but at least you've got it somewhere you can remember, I suppose. Um, that wraps up the preview then. Um, and we've got some emails and questions next. So join us after this very short break for part four. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! FootballFancast.com 
welcome back to the fourth and final part of episode 20 of Went to Mo King's Meadow. Um, time now for your emails and questions. Jane, who's been in touch this week? So our first email is from Morgan. Hi, what's your opinion on the subs MMA against City? For example, subbing harder at 60 was weird to me. Do you think she had Bayern in mind and tried to rest players or was it something else? Have a good one. Yeah, interesting. In my opinion, when Neve came on for Panilla, in my head, I thought that she was going to play on the right-hand side as Cuthbert was doing on the left and try and protect um, Jess right back. She didn't really. She was quite high up the pitch. Um, guessing she had Bayern in mind, Mia, what was your sort of view on that? Yeah, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I do think um, here's the thing. Uh, she has players on the bench that can replace Penilla Harder in a game where Penilla Harder can can come off to to get some rest. She doesn't have uh, Emma Hayes doesn't have those replacements for Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr. Not the way she she um, plays right now. Um, so I mean. I think that's the reason. She knows she'll have to rest a player like Penilla Harder because she can be the difference if there's a penalty kick. Uh, and also, it's a semi-final in the Champions League. Uh, she's got the experience for that. So I think that's the reason. Plus, I think Penilla is more involved in the game. Um overall than sort of Fran and Sam. I know they have their impact moments, but, you know, Penilla is sort of the conductor, so to speak, of, of what they do. She has to be everywhere and she, she normally is. So. Yeah, she was. I saw the heat, heat map after, but I would also like to add that um, you're, you're right when, when you say that, because I think uh, one of uh, the things Penilla did really well yesterday was that she was keeping Kira Walsh silent. Yeah. Jane, do you think if we weren't playing by Munich that she would have made those changes? Um, I think it's tough. Like, obviously, it depends on what team. Maybe if we had the likes of Tottenham this weekend, then she wouldn't have made the changes because we need. We wouldn't have to play. We'd obviously still have to play a strong team against Tottenham, but we wouldn't have to play. Like, Peniel could have been given a rest that game. So I do think with playing Bayern Munich, that is what she thought when taking Peniel off. So we, she had a strong set of legs for the weekend. Yeah, obviously, we won't know unless Emma tells us. And we can't always trust everything that Emma says, as we learned from her pre-match press conference. Um Thank you, Morgan, for your email. Um, who else, Jane? Um, our second email was from Hadil. Hi, guys. Long-time listener here, but it's my first time writing in. Firstly, just wanted to say that I really appreciate all the work you do in supporting the women and your podcast is great. I have to admit, I almost had a heart attack watching the game last night, especially after the Lauren Hemp goal. Both the goals were let... Both 
the goals we let in were preventable and our defence did not look good yesterday. Do you think it was mostly due to Magda being out or is it an area of concern, especially against bigger teams? Compared to the quality we have in attack, I think we are definitely lacking in defence. In my eyes, one of one of those one of the areas to look at would be a backup CB or only problem is that the player wouldn't get much game time given our CB partnership of Millie and Magda. Do you have someone in mind who would be a good option and wouldn't mind not getting much game time? In terms of full packs, I've become quite the fan of Jess. Two of our biggest games and damn, she's stepped up. But on the other hand, Chloe Kelly seemed to get past Yona quite a bit yesterday. This was a problem against Wolfsburg too. Ports. Also wanted to mention how great it is that Sam is firing on all cylinders, that that run into the box was chef's kiss and obviously Peniel Harder continues to be Peniel Harder. And Katchenberger is just the best goalkeeper in the world. And at this point, fuck it. She deserves the Ballon d'Or for the number of times she single-handedly kept Chelsea in the game. If it comes down to it, is it Fran or Anne Katchenberger for Player of the Year? Moving on to Bayern, I watched them quite a bit earlier on in the season and I rather enjoyed their play. Should we take much from their recent losses or are they still as a bigger threat? If we move past them, be honest, what's Chelsea's chances of winning the Champions League? I still think Barcelona are probably taking it this year. If they can continue to be clinical with opportunities. Again, wanted to say how much I love went to my King's Meadow. Keep killing it. Also, shout out to your Twitter account. I'm not sure which one of you runs it, but it's one of the funniest out there. Much love, Hadil. Just want to say before we answer Hadil's questions that Hadil is a real person. It's a real email. I didn't send it just to say how great our Twitter account is because it will say that this is fake. Um, it is absolutely 100% real. Um, and the Twitter account is the funniest one out there, not just one of. Um, where to start? Lots of questions. Um Centre-back depth is obviously Magda or Millie and then asked Sophie or, as we'd see against um, London City, uh, Melanie even played at centre-back. Um, Mia, ask, is there someone out there that Chelsea should be looking to bring in? There's a lot of good centre-backs on the, on the market. <laughs> but I would just like to say that to bring in another centre-back just gives Chelsea the option to play a back three as well. You know, to use Jonna and, and Nim uh, as wing-backs as well. So it doesn't have to be um, to getting uh, not getting playtime if you join Chelsea as a centre-back. I think that's the problem. The problem. <laughs> I mean... I think that could be a reason for Chelsea players sticking with this uh, formation as well, because you can't explore uh, with a back three. Uh, so it wouldn't necessarily mean uh, less playtime if you bring in another centre-back. Um, I mean, I know for a fact that Amanda Ilestet from Bayern, she 
will be out of a contract this summer, I think. So she will be on the market. We have another good center back who is very flexible, uh, who plays in the midfield in the Swedish national team, but as a center back in Rosengård. And that's Natalie Björn. Uh, and obviously, I'm Swedish, and Chelsea is Scandi FC, so why not? Um, yeah, just pure Scandinavian football players um, yeah. <laughs> in the team. Seems to be working pretty well so far, um, signing Scandinavian, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I'll let you take the next question, which was about... Um, um, well, I've lost it now. Yeah, it was so many. <laughs> Uh, Jodder at left back Chloe Kelly getting past her a bit they did against Wolfsburg down the left hand side is that a criticism of her or are Chelsea weaker on that left hand side in the way they're balanced uh, I uh, again like versus uh, Wolfsburg the second leg I think uh, having Cuthbert in front uh, make a it makes a difference who is in front of the left-hand side. Uh, because I think uh, Jonna is more of a winger than she is a defender, perhaps. I don't know. But I think that's that's the explanation. Um, because and, and let me tell you this, that Chloe Kelly is a very, very good winger. Uh, I mean... She should play in the Olympics this summer. Um, and I think that Jonna handled the situation yesterday uh, very well um, because they they didn't create anything. Yeah, they, they had the ball and Hemp and, and Kelly did their dribbles, but yeah, but then. Yeah, this might sound a bit stupid, but um, the majority of you know, footballers that are right-footed. So, you know, naturally, you would attack on your right-hand side. Um, sounds stupid, but it is a, you know, left-hand side does get neglected for the right-hand side. So teams are attacking down their right naturally. So the emphasis is on, you know, our left-back to do most of the challenges and, and win most of the duels. And, you know, you can't win everyone. Uh, Jane, AKB... Um, the best goalkeeper in the world her or Fran for player of the year or is there someone else you would throw into that mix because I would add a little Australian forward into that player of the year debate yeah I would definitely put Sam up there as well it's going to be tough at the end of the season to choose just one of them to get the player of the year award obviously if it wasn't for burger and goal sometimes then we would have lost games but then if it wasn't for Fran and Sam's partnership we wouldn't have got the goals to win the games so it's a tough one I think I'm just going to put all the names in a hat and pull one out and that would be my vote they could share it as well I suppose um, the questions on Bayern obviously Mia did a fantastic job of answering all those um, in the preview so if you've skipped straight to the emails just to hear the emails Go back and listen to it all. Stop cheating. Um, Chelsea's chances of winning the Champions League if they get past Bayern um, 
I would just say 50% because it's one game in a final. Um, me are more or less than 50% if they get through against either PSG or Barcelona. Uh, I think they would have a better chance to beat PSG than Barcelona. And I, I will say this because Barcelona have played a final before. They have been in that position before. So that's why I would give Barcelona uh, a better chance of winning it. And I mean, I, I have said since the beginning of the season that I think Barcelona will play the Champions League final. And also they play, yeah, they, they play magical football at the moment. Yeah, they absolutely ripped Manchester City to pieces when they played them yeah. um, in the bits that I watched. And so to see how we sort of struggle against City and the level they're at does concern me. But Jane, I suppose the Champions League, you know, it's all about fate and destiny. And it's written in the stars that Chelsea are going to win it. So we should not worry, should we? No, I don't think we should worry. I would prefer to play PSG. In some ways, I'm glad fans can't be at that game because if it was PSG versus Chelsea, I don't want to experience (laughs) the PSG fans again. But I think we'll have a better chance if we play against PSG. Yeah, It's in Sweden as well, the final. And I, I'm hoping to go. I'm hoping that you're going to be able to go. Yeah, me too. We've got no chance. The border's no. open. We can fly out the day after the final. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm going to go as media, obviously, if, if I'm going to go. There's no audience, but I'm hope, I'm, that's why I'm hoping. It's Chelsea versus Barcelona. I mean, imagine <laughs> the photos from that game. We'll be very jealous. Yeah, I, I can tell you, you you don't get to watch a lot of football when you photograph. I usually, no. I always go back to watch the game afterwards when I do the, <laughs> the photograph because I, I, I can't watch it. I'm still hoping to be the halftime show, but nobody from UEFA has contacted. Um, <laughs> you know, time's running out, guys. I need to know. Um, thanks, Adil, for probably the best email we've ever received, um, especially the ending. Um that is me that runs Twitter, by the way, if you haven't guessed already. Um, I think there's one more email, isn't there, Jane? Yeah, we've got one last email from Sonia. Good evening to all. Welcome back, Mia. One cannot start talking about Champions League semi-final without thinking about Anne Katzenberger. This modest German is our secret weapon. The, supports, the support are still reeling over last night's game. I just do my job. The girls played so well in front of me. So you three, is AKB up there with the Barca keeper? And do you think that being the more likely Champions League final with two outstanding defences? And yes, we normally do not get ahead of ourselves. However, this would be a really exciting prospect, would it not? Back down to reality, the semi. Mia, strength and weakness of this Bayern side. Any injuries? Who would you pair up against each other? What is the best format for us, especially if they play back five? Play play five at the back like Brighton do. One of our weaknesses used to be set pieces. This week, that, that proved me wrong as both goals came from these. 
how do we compare Bayern in this respect? Look forward to your team and goal predictions. All the best to you all. Thanks, uh, Sonia. Uh, we covered most of that. Um, injuries we didn't know, really. Um, me, I suppose. Anyone yeah. missing? No, I don't think they have any. Yeah, they, I know that they have a, an ACL injury on some player, but that's. Uh, I mean, they have uh, had injuries on Vivian Asai uh, and uh, Sydney Loman, but they they are back, so um, they haven't started any games yet. But they have been subbed in, so. Yeah, and AKB is the best goalkeeper. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sorry to those of you from Discord that um, asked us questions, but I've got one minute and 45 seconds to finish this. So that is all we've got time for this week. Um, join us again. We'll be back next Monday to talk all about the Bayern Munich game and look ahead to the second leg and potentially a midweek game against Spurs, but don't know about that yet. Uh, we'll be joined by Rob Prattley from the CFCW Social. Um, Jane, always a pleasure to talk all things Chelsea with you. Yep, I'm glad I managed to fit this in with my busy schedule. But yeah, it's I'll... been nice to have a break from work and talk about football. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Mia, our listeners' favourite guests, I think it's fair to say <laughs> that. Um, I hope we have a Champions League final so we can get you back on this season. But yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. It's going to be a final. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Remember, follow us on Twitter at MokingsMeadow, me at Dean Mears, Jane at Jane Chapel X, and me at Mia underscore Ericsson. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Went to Meadow. Don't forget you can contact the show via email to get your points heard. That address is went to Meadow at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Chelsea fans from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. <laughs> <laughs>